Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. I'm Jamie Tates, your host, and I've got a treat for you today. Um, I want to introduce you to Aaron Eggert. Aaron is not only a dear friend of mine um, and uh, a soul that came into my life at the point that I really needed it, so I, I cherish his guidance and his friendship and his mentorship. He's also the founder of Coalition 9, uh, a, a wonderful community of leaders that I am a part of, most of my team is a part of, and that is really focused on good people needing to know good people. That is the biggest lesson, and I'm sure I just stole one of his answers to something he was going to talk about today. Aaron is just a, a collector of good humans, and, and you're going to feel that in his in this conversation and what he shares with you. And I'm excited because I need a little dose of, of Aaron today. And if you need a dose even after this podcast, he has his own podcast um, called The Power of Nine, where he brings on leaders and talks about this exact same thing is, is their journeys and and how they've gotten to where they're at. So I'm excited to get what I need out of today. And all of you just get to get some as well just by listening. So thanks for being here, Aaron. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be on and you have been on my podcast mm -hmm. and you absolutely killed it. <laughs> and to be able to share uh, some time with you. I love that we we just talked about it. we didn't plan at all. Like we no. just we literally we just, just kind of wing it. like let's just let's what just wing it. And let's have a great conversation, <laughs> right? And right. like I think you've kind of you're you're kind of like the the uh, the sister I never had. Like you're one of those people I call when I need a little bit of inspiration and and uh, need a little bit of uh, Jamie love too. So yeah. to me, uh, I love being able to to spend some time with you on this. Yes, this could be great. Okay. And Aaron has given me full reins to pretty much go wherever I want to go with this. So this could be really right. fun. Oh um, well, I want to start off, off with, with people who don't know you. Just tell us your story. You know, I don't read bios. I don't like doing that. Yeah. I just want you to share what what's that journey been for you to get to where you're at today in, in success? Yeah. Uh, so Cliff's Notes version is uh, I grew up here in the Twin Cities. Didn't go to college, went went to college for a little bit and dropped out because it wasn't my jam. And I just am not a conventional learner that way. And I think I, I call myself like a, from a maturity standpoint, a late bloomer. And so I, uh, <laughs> I was a little bit of a goofball and, and, you know, I just wanted to work and, and I come from a pretty blue collar family and, and, you know, that helped shape a lot of my perspective now too. One of the things that got me to where I think got, got me out of doing, I was a, worked in printing and was doing all sorts of different labor type jobs is I got fired um, because I uh, didn't want to work a weekend because my cousin was getting married. And so after I got fired, uh, I needed to find, a, I needed a transition. It was about 23 years old. And just it was time for me to grow up a little bit, and so I got uh, an opportunity to for outside sales, and I I killed it. Um, I did really well. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was it was my opportunity to just get out of that whole that whole laborer world, mm -hmm. and so that was kind of my fast track into into leadership. Um, I think as for me, it was working in sales. You were so independent, but yet you were part of a team, and. What I loved about it was I 
because I did so well, I was able to transfer some of that knowledge to some of the younger sales reps as I was progressing into my later 20s. Um, and I really found a lot of joy in watching other people succeed and that I could see how that could directly re relate to my success, but it was just hinged on, on their success. And that's what, that was the trigger for me to get into leadership. And then, um, kind of fast forward through, so I, at my late twenties, I became a vice president of, of the, the office furniture division of a company called S and D office products. I got the ownership bug. So then I jumped at about 31 and went in and, uh, became a partner at a company called iSpace environments. Um, that's one of the largest commercial furniture dealers now in the Twin Cities. Uh, when I joined that organization, it was it was smaller and had a couple partners, and we really focused on building the right culture and and the right team. And we grew from 16 to 120 employees. Our revenue went through the roof, 270 percent growth. But then I kind of kind of fell out of love with it. Uh, I, I I don't know. I just I felt like I, I turned 40. So you and I have talked about decade shifts and how. Every seven to 10 years, someone just kind of goes through like, uh, am I, am I on the right track here? Well, I didn't feel like I was on the right track. So, um, I, I had a hard conversation with my partners and, and wanted to exit the business, um, took a little bit of a buyout and wanted to do my own thing. And I really wanted to focus on what was my legacy going to be? Um, my wife and I don't have kids. So really when I leave this earth, I, the only thing I leave is my legacy. And so what am I going to do to, to, um, solidify that? And then fast forward to now where that coalition nine was born and a lot of ideation and, and wanting to be a little bit of a disruptor and all of that stuff. And, and now, um, that's what I do now. And you have succeeded in that for sure. And I, this idea of the, the seasons of, you know, kind of shift that we're, we're mm -hmm. in these natural seven to 10 year cycles of evolving, you know, it's just like they talk about the cells in your body, right? Completely turn over every seven years. I think we do the same thing, but we also carry a lot of guilt and feelings about like, because I want to leave this past I've built, right? Or I want to do something completely different. We feel like there's something wrong with us. And I'm guessing you see this in leaders, right? Because they come to you because they're in your your peer forums about they're wanting to change or do something different. What What guidance do you give them in that moment? We have 172 members as we sit right now, heading into the end of 2022. And I would say 20, or let's just use a, a, an arbitrary round number, 20 people are what I would consider in transition. Mm -hmm. So they've, they've come to be a part of the community because they want to be part of a group that can help guide them, but also just to be part of a community. So really at the, at the end of the day, what I give them as, as, as some feedback or thoughts is leverage your relationships, right? And you, that'll be a recurring theme that we'll talk about, you know, today is I, I just double down on relationships because that's that business moves at the speed of trust and you have to be able to trust those people around you and you have to build those relationships. It can't be just a, you know, a, a back in the COVID days, you know, a 30 minute zoom call, get to know you quote unquote networking. I mean, really get to know one another and then double down on those and, and then, then let the universe go to work for you because good people need to know good people. And the, the, the universe is conspiring uh, with you and is trying to help put you in a better spot. Right. And I, it goes back to the guidance that my mom always used to tell me. And, and people have heard this on the podcast before is success leaves clues. 
And what I mean by that is like, people are going to come in and out of your energy field, right? You're going to see them at an event. And then two weeks later, you see it, and you're like, okay, why have I seen this person twice in two weeks? Like paying mm-hmm. attention to those things, right? And why are they there? What are they meant to be in your, you know, in your field for? And I think Mm -hmm. you do a really good job of like, interestingly paying attention to who needs to cross whose energy fields is how I would describe it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, you, you couldn't have said it more eloquently than, than that is it is about energy. It's about, you know, finding the right people that need to know, they may not know quite yet why they need to know each other, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but when I make a, when I make an introduction or when I connect a couple people, I want to be really thoughtful about that. And I want to know that there's something, I want them to know that there's something there that's going to happen. It's just, we may not know. It may not happen for the next year or something, but you never know but you can feel it. Well, I get that mm. sense from you that you can feel and you don't know what it is, but you just know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to go back to, you talked about kind of your journey and kind of becoming a leader just because of the skill, right? You were good at something. And so then you started mentoring and kind of leading other people. And so is there a specific leadership moment that you feel like really shaped how you lead today? Is there something that like, I remember that person or that, that moment when I realized what leadership was? You know, I think, uh, so when I was at S and T no longer exists and, and frankly, you know, I was a late twenties, uh, individual on a team of a bunch of 60 year old white guys wearing suits. And, you know, I would get, I would get reprimanded for not wearing a tie and, and stuff like that. And, and frankly, I think it was just being that kind of counterculture that we built on our little team. That was like maybe the cool kids. And, you know, we had a, I, I, we did stuff like Thursday night drinking club. Like we would all go to the bar at like three 30 on Thursday and we would bring our customer service people, the sales people, mm-hmm. some of the warehouse people, all the people kind of came together and we didn't talk about work. We just hung out. And I think mm-hmm. creating that, that little counterculture and seeing how great it, it, those, those relationships kind of started to bloom and people started doing things outside of work. Their, their performance went up. They started communicating better with each other. It was, it was really remarkable to see all those types of things happening. And that was kind of my aha moment of like, okay, this is before, like, I'm talking, I don't even know what year this was. This is like the, the early 2000, like 2002 to 2004. And culture, the term culture was never even really that big of a thing, right? Like right. corporate culture was talked about, but small business, it was just like, just do your job, right? And just go, go. And it was all about profit. And it was all about finance where I felt like we were, this group was just a little bit ahead of its time with just mm-hmm. kind of building that culture uh, and, and except it just didn't have a word yet. I love that. And you're, you still, I still feel that a little bit. I mean, we've come a long way since then, but even the, the small and mid market doesn't have the same focus on culture or they don't understand it, right? They, they don't know how it works in their organization and what you're building. We talk a lot about a culture of contribution, which is a culture fit. So hiring for someone who can contribute to your culture and make it better which is what I hear kind of you did, right? It wasn't the way it always was, but it made it better, right? Mm -hmm. And you contributed to it and to it moving forward. And I think that's maybe feels a little less like we have to be perfect and we have to get every hire and every, you know, every decision we make perfect. But if we're always looking for how is this decision going to contribute to our culture? I think it's a good litmus test. 
once leaders recognize that they don't own the culture, that the people own the culture and they're just there to merely guide it. And I think being relatively unapologetic and in, in sharing that with their teams of saying, listen, this is your culture. We're just here to help push it along. That I think is something that small, mid-sized business, I, I don't know, probably every business, I don't care what size it is, probably just doesn't do a good enough job at of just saying and being very thoughtful in that, in that communication of this is your culture, own it. The ownership of it, for sure. I want to talk about what, if you look over your career, right, what's the, one of the most important lessons that you learned? Like something that just smacked you in the face that you didn't realize it was going to teach you what it taught you. Uh, you can't be, you can't be the best at everything. Uh, I have a problem with, um, you know, we do the make a difference thing and I'm a lion monkey. Uh, and, and I am a hardcore, like, I don't, I'm not driven by money, but I'm driven by wanting to be the best at everything that I do. And so there was a, uh, there was a time when we were at iSpace that kind of, I would say it kind of, uh, contributed to my, uh, eventual departure was that we implemented an ERP system. Um, being the president of the company and a partner in the company, you know, I had some ownership of that, quite a bit of ownership of that. And then our COO was was responsible for it. But you know, if you go back to the you know the book Extreme Ownership, at the end of the day, I was ultimately responsible for that. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I've never implemented an ERP system before. It was running off the rails. I just took on more and more and like tried to get in it and double down on the things that were painful. And it just wasn't working where if it, if I were to redo that now, I would have said, stop, we're not implementing this anymore until we either bring in a pro that's from the outside of the organization or someone to come and own this other than me or the people that are involved that we don't really know what we're doing. And I think it would have changed. Hell, we could have just said, we're not implementing this ERP system. We're just putting this thing on the shelf. And that would have made a better contribution. I just think me wanting to do things that I wasn't very good at um, contributed to the the lack of success in that. And, and I mean, it hurt us for a while. So talk about, in even in that moment, I just think this is so fascinating because when we just try to, it, it's that idea as a leader, when something doesn't feel like it's working and we just try to push a little bit harder, right. Versus mm -hmm. taking a step mm -hmm. back and using the people around us, right. Like you said, mm -hmm. the relationship, mm -hmm. the mentors, the people that we have to say, am I looking at this wrong? Is there something different I need to do? And I think mm -hmm. it's really, it's really hard for us because we want to be the hero, mm -hmm. right. We want to be the hero of the story and solve it for everyone else. In retrospect, I would have hired a CPA with uh, ERP implementation right. experience for you know one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and let that person be the hero all day, rather than go through the pain that we went through. Right, right. So looking yeah. back on it, describe for me if you have to describe your leadership today, right? Your leadership strengths, like who the leader that you are today, because it looks very different, right? You're not necessarily the leader of a huge team anymore but you are the leader of 170 people, right? That are in your community and are watching what you're doing and, and kind of learning from you. So how would you describe who the leader you are today and what strengths contribute to that? I don't know. I feel like this word gets overused, but I'm going to use it. Uh, so authenticity, um, I just am who I am, right? I, 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 I'm not maybe the best uh, at everything, and I've come to terms with that, you know, through maybe a little bit of self-help. Uh, so, and I think communication is probably something that I, I think, 
the authenticity communication. And then the other thing that I think every leader needs to have in order to be successful is um, consistency. And so I'm consistently authentic. I'm consistently there. So people know that they can, they can rely on me. And I think as a leader, it's really necessary for people to, uh, to, to know that you've got their back. And frankly, that consistency is probably the thing that's the most resounding. Yeah. The consistency, regardless, because every leader comes into leadership Mm -hmm. and drives with their own superpowers, right? Mm -hmm. But the consistency in your superpowers is what makes people trust you because you show Mm -hmm. up as the same person when you're stressed, right? When it's in calm, when it's in good times, when you're trying to figure something out. And I think what leaders don't realize is that trust actually gets broken down Mm -hmm. when we're consistent, yeah, you, you know, you you read about all these stories of, you know, startups and and you know, the, the leaders that falter and it's typically those that are not consistent because they're giving different messages, there's mixed messages, they're sharing messages from one one, one team to another team that are different. There's just no consistency there and I think anybody that has followed someone appreciates that consistency that happens. And then, like you said, there's other superpowers that, that correlate to that, but that consistency is everything. Right. I love that. It's just a good reminder as leaders. So right now sitting here today, what's the biggest challenge you are facing in your business and life or just in, in how are you tackling it? Like, like what's the mountain you have to climb right now? Um, you know, I feel I feel pretty good about where the vision is for the community. Um, I I'm I'm the type of person that spends a lot of time in like strategic thinking. Uh, I try and do it quarterly. Where a lot of people, you know, it's in November December. That's their time to do that. I, I try and think about like where do we want to go. I'm for me, it's being thoughtful about how we grow and so that it's not too fast but not too slow. Probably the thing that that keeps me up at night a little bit is just like any business, the sustainability, right. Of like, what is, what does the economy bring, you know, all the different unknowns in the future from year to year and trying to make sure that we're always providing a better experience than anyone else and, and doing things at another level and making sure that people, when it comes to the next month to renew their membership, or when it comes to the next quarter to renew their membership, they literally think to themselves, I can't live without this. It may not sound like a ton of pressure, but it, I think it is a ton of pressure of like consistently month over month, creating an experience that's better than the month before um, is not only on me, but it's on our facilitators and the people that lead these leaders and uh, making sure that they have the tools and they have the inspiration to continue to drive that. And I think it's a great reminder, right? When you know what your differentiators are, which for Coalition 9, it's experience, right? The experience that people have, how they feel both in the peer forums and in the events. I, I feel like right now, I'm sensing this a little bit with some of our clients, is that when things get a little bit chaotic, right? Or we don't know, mm-hmm. we've got the election and then you've got the economy and you is we sometimes forget what our differentiators actually are mm-hmm. and we we lose sight of them and then we get scattered, I guess is the way mm-hmm. I would describe it. And I feel like there's a lot of business leaders right now that are scattered. Are you seeing that on the peer forum side and kind of in the companies that you work with? Yeah, it's, you know, the, the fear of the unknown, I think is probably more than anything is just, you know, there's just so many, I I, I just can't remember in, in, you know, being in business for 20 
plus years that I don't remember there being a time where there's just so many unknowns. There's just the social unknowns, the financial unknowns or economic unknowns, the global economy, what that, what's happening from that standpoint, how that relates to, I mean, all of these things going into the next year. I, I mean, I hate that, you know, we're going into a midterm election and so many things are hinged on the economy in with an election. And so I think that's an unknown, like how is that going to shake out? All of these things are intertwined and they, they directly relate to one another. And I think that that fear of the unknown is a resounding conversation that's happening, especially at our, our established leader levels. So the people that are like yourself, the, the CEOs and the C-suites, it's just, it's kind of like a wait and see. So people are, that's why so many people are sitting on cash in the bank. That's why so many people are, are, you know, waiting to, to make some capital investments and things like that, because it's just that fear of the unknown. Right. But even in that, right, that is the time to lean on our superpowers. Yeah. It's the time to yeah. lean on our differentiators as a business. And I think instead of forgetting what they are and feeling like you have to do what someone else is doing, right, or the fear is if we just honed in, right, on what we know we do really well, I think that's where businesses survive. And I think that's where they thrive, even through a chaotic environment like this. Yeah, get get comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Um, right. Making sure that that they're you you said it exactly is like what are what are we really really good at and and let's double down on that. And but then don't be afraid to innovate and ideate to make sure that you're consistently evolving. And I think that's the thing that I get fearful of is that pe- people are um, they're kind of in a wait and see mode, and then they're not they're not evolving. And that's where I, th- I want to see them lean on their groups, their, their coalition nine groups and the other people, their peers to be able to test some of those things and, and feel what the market bears so that they can continue to um, ideate and evolve. Yeah. And it's, it's what can we control versus what we can't control. And it's shocking to me in the exercises we do with clients, that's really therapeutic for them is there's a lot more that we control than we think we control mm. when we actually mm-hmm. dive into it. Yes. The, the economy and what's happening with it and inflation, but there's a lot of things and levers and different things we can do it inside the business. Mm-hmm. And that awareness mm-hmm. is important right now for your sanity. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. So for all the leaders who are listening, right, we, we've talked about a lot of different things today. What are, what's the most important message with right now that you would leave leaders with? What, what do you want them to know that they need to think about, do? I'll go back to it again. I think this is maybe the fourth time I've, I've mentioned it. It's all about relationships. So it's relationships with your team. It's relationships with your, with your colleagues it's relationships with those outside, um, outside perspectives, you know, the coalition nine groups, that's where I really want them to lean on these relationships relationships drive everything. And so and business is no different. And so really leverage those relationships that you have. Um, and that's going to get you through the tough times and help you capitalize on the opportunities. I love that. It's a great place to kind of end the leadership discussion, but I'm not done with you yet. So you took me through way worse questions than this. I just want to be clear. So if you listen to the podcast, like I was like sweating, waiting for Aaron's questions at the end of the bonus round. So I'm going to be a lot nicer to you than you were to me. Just want to be clear about that. Um, We'll see. So my first question for you is what makes you laugh? 
Uh, my puppy. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I laugh all, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's probably, probably one thing that I'm really proud of is that I don't really, I'm not really down too much. So I laugh at a lot of weird stuff. Um, this morning on Twitter, I love following stand-up comics because they some, say some of the most random stuff and it's a great thing to kick, <laughs> to kick your day off at six o'clock in the morning. You and I laughed like mm-hmm. for two minutes about just catching up before we started recording. So I, I don't know, everything. I think, I think humans, humans make you laugh. People make you I laugh. I do. Yeah. And it just, it, you know, people are so different and, um, you know, I live in farm country and, and People are so different out here than it is in the city. And I love the differences. And that's what makes that what's what makes this world go around is just the differences in people. And it makes me laugh. Okay. So that's my next question is what does being ridiculously human mean to you? What does it mean to be that human? I think to be ridiculously human is just to be so again, authentic, just be yourself and and like be unapologetically authentic. So not being afraid of what, what people think of you um, and know that at the end of the day, 50% of the people are going to like you 50% people, people won't. So if you kind of take it from that perspective, just double down on those 50% of the people that like you and, and just be, be yourself. Also too, I think um, making sure that you're present. I have a hard time where I'm always thinking in the future. And if I ground myself, um, that makes me a little bit more human and more here than I would be otherwise thinking, you know, two hours in the, in the future, or two days in the future. Right. Well, for a recovering people pleaser that authentically, I mean, that is a very free space as a leader to be where you're just like, I know what my gaps are. I know what I'm good at. And you're right. And you can just kind of live in that space. I think you show up in such a, a better way to the world and to your people in, a, in your organization. Um, last question. What do you think the world's going to look like in five years? What do you hope the world looks like in five years? So what I hope and what I think might be different, but you know, I just want it. I just want things to calm down a little bit from a social aspect. I just think that there's so much dissension that it just isn't necessary. And, you know, everything is cyclical. And if we look back at, at, you know, the sixties, you know, we were kind of in a tough time in the sixties, Fast forward to now, you, there's a lot of similarities to what ha- has happened in the past. And so, you know, it's can't we all just get along type of a thing? I just want us to get along better. And, you know, that's what I love about what I do is that I put these collection of people together and they're just the most random collection, but there's some kind of synergy between them. And, and like you said, it's an energy. I just feel it. And they might be coming from one political perspective uh, or a position of faith, um, whatever. But at the end of the day, they're all there for each other. And I just like to have that spread a little bit more and have everyone just get along. Yes. Less polarization and more, mm-hmm. more softening the edges of our judgment is what I say mm-hmm. is, is how can we just not need to agree on everything, but we can still respect um, and listen, I think mm-hmm. are the big pieces. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here, Mr. Eggert. Thanks for taking uh, the time. You're great. Uh, hey, a quick question. Um, what's the deal with your book? Uh, when's that coming up? Wait, did you wait? Hey, whose podcast is this? I, so I was just, I was just thinking about this before we got on and I didn't have yeah, a chance I don't to ask actually, you. So I, I don't even think I'll just, I'll just about, ask you. Yeah. yeah. I don't think so, I've talked about it on here. So I was just thinking about it. So uh, when's your book? When's your next book coming out? 
um, June right now, targeting June, if all of the Sweet. printing um, and paper delays, right, um, resolve themselves. Um, June of 2023, the culture climb um, is mm. coming to, yeah, to the business world. So we're super excited to get our, the work we've been doing for years and the model that we use out there for more leaders to be able to, to do it on their own, right, and really start to understand how how culture truly, as the example you gave, right, how, how culture can truly change the course of a business and the trajectory of a business. So thanks for Sweet. thanks for that uh, plug. I know you you didn't know I was going to do that, but I genuinely didn't know when it was coming out. So I, yeah. I would ask you on your podcast. Might as well give you a little bit, bit of a plug the, too. So the baby it, will it. birth sometime in Q2. Yeah, so uh, excited to get that out into the world. So thank you again for being on here. Thank you for the work you do. We will have all of the links to Coalition 9. You can learn about the peer forums and, and how Aaron works. Um, and all the great work that he does, a ton of testimonials. If you want any of those, I know lots of people, um, myself included, that would that would give testimonials on the real difference of the community that he's created, which to me is a testament to the type of leader that Aaron is. Right? It, it comes from those deep um, kind of leadership characteristics that that form a business, however, whatever that business is. So I appreciate you coming and sharing your knowledge into the community that, you know, listening and continuing to engage in this podcast. As Aaron said, he described what he wanted five years from now to be. And that's really what I wanted this podcast to be. Even though I started it five and a half years ago, I wanted it to be a place where people could come and they could hear different stories and different backgrounds and, and different struggles and successes. Because I think when we hear other people's stories, we soften the edges of our own judgment and we show up in a different way in our communities, right? In our organizations. And so that's the purpose of this podcast. So that's what we're going to keep doing. We're going to keep bringing leaders like Aaron on, and we're going to keep having these types of conversations so that we can each just share in the shifting of the perspective that is needed as we evolve as leaders into whatever this next environment is. So thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.